All right, let's go to Romans 8. Verse 28, familiar scripture. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. And what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of that portion of Romans 8. Great portion of scripture. My very first point is going to be this. This does not apply to everybody in the world. And yet many preachers try to make it apply to everybody. But it does not apply. And I'm not trying to be mean about this. I'm writing to dividing the word of truth and being realistic about this. Look what he says there. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God. And that's not finished. To them who are the called according to his purpose. I've heard many people in a funeral home. Saying, oh, you know, that's just all things work, work together for good. Everything works together for good. That's not what he said. Everything doesn't work together for good. It only works together for good to those who are the called according to God's purpose. It's like I hear people. Especially now, oh, pray for our country. Let's think about that. How are you going to pray for this country? Lord, bless us as we murder millions of unborn babies. You going to pray that? I'm not. 
Lord bless us as we have completely rejected the word of God the Bible. Lord bless us as we teach, teach our youngsters that this world is 15 billion years old and there is no God. Lord bless us in that. You going to pray that? I'm not going to pray that. Lord bless us as we have destroyed marriage. As we and our Supreme Court has determined that two men can make a marriage. And two women can make a marriage. Lord bless us. And I'm not going to pray that, are you? Lord bless us as we, as we Kentucky governor and many others, as we take our young people, five and six years old, and put them in the hospital and cut their things off and add things on, trying to make them change their gender. <coughs> Lord bless us in that. I'm not going to pray that. Uh, I'm, this is kind of off the subject, but I'm look at Second Chronicles seven fourteen. I hear this from preachers uh, and many others. It's, you see, it, you can almost see this almost every day on the Facebook. Look at verse 14. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. They say, oh, we need to pray that. Now, in order to heal our land, look what our land has. Baby murder. Bible rejection, God rejection, marriage rejection, everything godly this country has rejected. Not everybody in it, but the majority of it has. You look at our college campuses and all what's going on there. We have rejected the Bible in that it tells us the history of the world and that God created everything in six literal 24-hour days. We've even got so-called believers rejecting that. Now, do you know what was going on in the seventh chapter of Second Chronicles? If you just look at the first verse, you've got to read the whole chapter. Look at the first verse of the seventh chapter. Now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the house. Now that's what's going on. Do you see anything like that going on in our country? And then look at verse 7, last part of it. Moreover, Solomon had hallowed the middle of the court that was before the house of the Lord, for there he offered burnt offerings and the fat of the peace offerings because the brazen altar which Solomon had made was not able to receive the burnt offerings and the meal offerings and the fat 
And at the same time, Solomon kept the feast seven days and all Israel with him. A very great congregation from the entering in of Hamath under the river of Egypt. Do you know how much guesstimation of sacrifices? I think just Solomon made that day in animals. Over 36 million dollars burn up on the offering offering to the Lord now do you see and it said all Israel was there very great congregation this was not something Solomon was doing by himself the whole nation was with him and they were all together dedicating the brand new temple the house of the Lord do you see anything similar to that in our country? Oh, I, I see in my church people love the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, how big a part are we of this country? People that say, pray that prayer, they don't know what they're talking about. They just need to read the whole chapter. That's all. Go back to Romans 8. Verse uh, 31 I'm going to concentrate on. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Now I want you to notice that if. If God be for us, who can be against us? Now the word can be just plain if. If this happens, that'll happen. If this, but this is not an iffy thing. This is since God is for us. Who can be against, be against us? That's what he's talking about there. So a settled certainty. And that's what we're talking about. Now this passage from 28 to 32 or 39. It concludes the first eight chapters of Romans. Now you got to kind of remember what's in the rest of the book. Because it's one whole book. It's a continuum. It's not just a random bunch of thoughts thrown together. It's, it's a book. It's a whole book and it goes together. In Romans the first and second chapters, you deal really with the history of the depravity of this world. And then you get into chapter three and four. Then you, you talk about uh, the righteousness that is needed. Why? Because we are unrighteous we have no righteousness Amen. now the world doesn't think about this lost people don't think about this and I'm not blaming them for it they're lost their minds are darkened <coughs> why do I know about all this because God's done a work of grace in me and he's, he has revealed the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ in my heart he did that in a work of grace many years ago. So, you get into chapter 4 and 5, you see that the righteousness that we need so bad has been provided by God. Beverly and I were talking about this the other day. Look at 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians.
chapter 11. Paul writing to the church. Now understand, the church at Rome was not the Roman Catholic Church. They did not exist at this time. It was a church of the Lord Jesus Christ at Rome. And then the second Corinthian letter was written to the church of God, which was at Corinth. And he says to this church, would to God you could bear with me a little in my folly. And indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Now those that deny the bride of Christ, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know. But we don't deny the bride of Christ. We believe, we believe a faithful Baptist bride. Amen. But he says, but I fear, now here's my verse, lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve. Now that lets you know that, that Paul knew that Adam and Eve were not symbolic people, that they were real people in space, time, and history. And a lot of these so-called uh, Christian churches and theologians have begun to teach that Adam and Eve are only symbolic. They're a bunch of demonic liars. Adam and Eve were the first men and the first woman. There were no races of human beings before Adam and Eve. I even hear Baptist preachers talking about prehistoric times. There are no prehistoric times. They don't exist. Genesis 1-1 is the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So you know the serpent beguiled Eve. Now that word beguiled, it's not used a lot today. But I'll tell you what. It is a deception of deceptions. But Paul says, I'm afraid you all are being beguiled uh, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. When you've got somebody giving you a, a, a sermon or a lesson where it's so confusing, you can't follow it, that ain't from God. Amen. He talks about the simplicity that's in Christ. Let me give you a real, a real account here. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Six literal 24-hour days. Everything that is was made during those days. And God ceased from his work of creation, and there was the seventh day. And God rested from his work. He wasn't tired. He ceased from his labor. <coughs> Mama, why do we have a seven-day week? Well, you'll have to ask the school teachers and the scientists that. School teacher and scientist, why do we have a seven-day week? I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to tell you why we have a seven-day week. There's nothing in the sky. 
Nothing in the stars, nothing in the planet, nothing in the revolution of the earth that makes a seven-day week. You know what makes a seven-day week? God made it, and that's the only one you... You know, years ago, the French tried to make a 10-day week. They had so many people cracking up mentally, they had to stop it. The only thing that'll work is a seven-day week. Why? Because that's what God created. He made us, and he knows what we need, and he gave us what we needed. Now... I'm giving you a simple story or an account. Well, what happened? God put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, gave them one law. One law is all. And they violated that. And when they transgressed that the day that they did, they spiritually died, and you could see that it no longer was a paradise. But before God drove them, and that's what the word says, drove them, didn't ask them to leave, didn't give them an option. He drove them out of the Garden of Eden. He redeemed them. He took an animal, I think he took a sheep. Killed that innocent animal, shed its blood, and he took that uh, hide, uh, pelt, of that sheep. And he made clothes for Adam and Eve because he because now that they are depraved, their eyes are open, they not only know sin, they are sinful. He said they should wear clothes. Now, why do we wear clothes? I can't imagine the stupidity of those people on television that get naked and go out in the jungles and try to survive. Brother, how would you like to be naked in the jungles of Vietnam? If, if the Viet Cong hadn't got you, a booby trap didn't get you, the animals would get you. And the poison burrs and thorns and all of that. We got to wear clothes for our protection and to not be immoral. Amen. But now everybody thinks they can do it different. Well, they pay the price for it. Anyway, why do we wear our clothes? Because God said we must keep ourselves covered for many reasons. But the first reason is that God said so. Now, through the years, God told us people many, many different ways that he was going to send the real redeemer for his people. Those things were in a picture. And when 2,000 years ago, when he sent forth Christ, I don't understand how Christ is the God-man on earth. I don't understand that. I certainly believe it and delight in it. He's the son of God. He's the son of man. But he came. He lived a perfect life. He obeyed the Ten Commandments. Now, you got a bunch right now that are trying to say, oh, we don't need to worry about the law. Well, I think you do. Say, well, nobody's saved by the law. Never were, you idiot. They never were. Nobody's talking about that anybody was saved by the law. 
But we only know sin by the law. Sin is the transgression of the law. And how are you going to explain sin without the law? You can't do it. But Jesus Christ has submitted, came and submitted himself to the law of God from the time he was born to the time he went to the cross. And he obeyed every jot and tittle of the law. He earned perfect righteousness. Amen. Well, and then he had him, they hanged him on a cross. And God put on him the punishment of all of the sins of all of his people. Not all of the sins of everybody in the world. Oh, no. If he died for all the sins of all the people in all the world, nobody would go to hell. But that's not the case. And that's why he says here in verse 28, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And he was buried and rose again 72 hours later. Do I understand that? No, I don't understand that anymore. And I understand he spoke and this world was created. I don't understand any of that. I believe it and I know it's true. And then he went back to heaven and said, I'm going to come back and get you. Now, that's basically the simplicity in Christ. Amen. It didn't take long. I mean, I veered off there, but, but the, the basic story doesn't take long to tell. Well, well I don't believe it. No, that's a different story. Somebody doesn't believe it. It's not there for, for it to suit you. It, there is the gospel. Paul said, I declare unto you the gospel. How that Christ died for our sins, was buried and rose again the third day according to scripture. Anyway, so that's the simplicity that's in Christ. So under law, under the Ten Commandments, God is against us. Now I like it says God is for you. If God's for us, who can be against us? I like that. But if I'm not in Christ, I can't claim that. Under the law, without Christ, God is not for me. God is against me. You know why? Because I'm a sinner. And God hates every worker of iniquity. These preachers don't tell people that. They, they just, oh, just preach love, 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 love. Where does it say that in the Bible? It doesn't say that at all. People need to know that outside of Christ, our God is a consuming fire. John the Baptist finished up chapter 3 of John. His wrath abides on their heads. So under law, God is against us because we're guilty. But under grace... God is our defender. He's our shield. He's our buckler. All of his attributes are for us. Man, if God be for us, who can be against us? God is for his people. Those who are the called according to his purpose. I don't know why people, why they can read right by that and not understand it. You have to be the called according to his purpose. How are you the called? Well, I'm the called of God. I know I am 
Because I've repented and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only reason I know I'm called. I'm not, I haven't been made perfect. I haven't been made righteous of myself. My righteousness is all of the Lord. His power is for us. What about the power of God? Look quickly at Deuteronomy 33. Verse 27. Oh, don't you love this? The eternal God is thy refuge. That is, if you're the called according to his purpose. And underneath are the everlasting arms. And he shall thrust out the enemy from before thee and shall say, destroy them. The eternal God is thy refuge. And underneath are the eternal arms. Leaning on the Lord. Daniel knew what his power was. He knew it before he met the lions. The three Hebrew children, they knew the power of God. They knew God. They didn't beg for their lives. They didn't throw them in the fire. I believe they walked in the fire. The ones that were putting them there died because of the heat. How come they didn't die? They went in the fire and came out and didn't even smell like it. Dave, you ever been in a fire fighting a fire and ever come out and not smell like it? Can't do it. You can't go around a big bonfire and not smell like it. But Bible plainly says three Hebrew children didn't even smell like fire. <coughs> you know, those lions that looked at Daniel said, ain't no sense of trying to go after him. He ain't nothing but backbone. Because he knew the power of God. They that do know their God, the same book of Daniel says, they shall be strong and they shall do exploits. Great things. Because they know God and his power. And if God be for us, his power is for us. Look at Psalm 73. Now this is not saying that nothing will happen to us. We studied Baptist history and the martyrs and all that. And it's, a lot of stuff's happened to God's people. But Satan hadn't got them. Satan didn't destroy them. God protected them in it. Look at Psalm 73. Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. People that don't, they don't ever talk about the Lord. They don't know the Lord. They don't, they reject the Bible. They reject God. They're doing it. And they do nothing but prosper. And David said, I was envious of that. You ever been that way? 
Why do they get all that? And look at me, look how I'm suffering. Well, here's what David came to. Look down, uh, verse 15. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. That's about the prosperity of the wicked. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I therein. This thing's not over with yet. My uncle lived be 90, what, five or six oldest? He said it just seemed like a short while. 95 or 96, and his life just, it just flew by. We notice every week. It looks like in our, in our calendar, in our minds, there's only two days of the week, Wednesday and, and Sunday. I mean, here we are Sunday morning, 6 o'clock Sunday morning getting ready. We just did this. It's going by. This weeks are going by. I'm thankful I'm still alive. <coughs> I don't know how much longer. But I'm thankful I'm still here. Amen. But it can't be that much longer. And it hadn't been all that long is what I screamed out the other day. Mama, why'd you tell me this? How, how'd you let me get this old? My mama don't know I'm 80 years old. She thinks I'm a still baby. Mama, I'm not. So his power and his wisdom is for us. Who then can be against us? Well, say there's a lot against us. Yeah, well, I understand that. There's a, there's a lot of people against us, a lot of things against us, especially when it's found out what you really believe. Everybody really finds out what you believe, brother. There's a bunch that'll be against you. A bunch, not just a few. A bunch will be against you. Now you can, you, can, you can be a football fan, a baseball fan, a basketball fan, and you can find camaraderie amongst hundreds of thousands of people. And you can talk and laugh and clap your hands and gripe because of the coach and because they did this and did that. And you can have all kinds of friends. But you mention the Lord Jesus Christ and all that. And see if they don't, we've got things to do. They'll back off from you real quick. So there's lots against us. Of course, Satan is against us. But who can be successfully against us? That's what he's talking about. So who can be against us? That is, who can prevail against us? Look, Moses appeared before the burning bush. The significance of the bushes burn. Now a lot of shrubs are dead. I don't know, they died from the freeze. Just brown. You could put a match to them, they'd burn. But the difference is, they'd burn, they'd burn up. Moses fell down before a burning bush. That bush was not consumed. 
Because there's a power of God. And there's his people. You see? That fire could not prevail against that bush. And God was in that fire. So look at all of them, Polycarp and all of them that suffered. God was with them. When and how is God for us? Well, the truth of the matter is, this didn't just start. Even when you just saved in time, this didn't, start, didn't just start. God was for his people in eternity. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God. Looks to me like foreknowledge came before the election. Now in eternity you can't say time different, but there's a chronological. Well, foreknowing means foreloving. God loved his people in eternity past. Well, look at Lazarus. I like to talk about Lazarus. Never had a happy day in his life. At least I don't read about it. And I don't know what would be happy about being a beggar on a street corner full of sores, begging for crumbs. That's not a happy life, is it? You look at some of these street people begging. Some of them probably con artists, but not many of them. You look at them. You want to live a life like that? I don't. You want to live a life begging welfare to keep you, keep you living? I don't want to live like that. I don't call that much living. Lazarus, he didn't have welfare. He had begging on the street corner, begging for crumbs. Dogs licking his sores. That's the only medicine he had. But that's not the whole story. As it turns out, when he died, and he did die, but also that rich man before whom he was begging died. Now on top side, they just probably dragged his body out and put it in a trash dump. And the rich man, he had a burial. He had a fine coffin and whatever. Lots of city, city fathers made speeches over him. He gave so much money. But that didn't tell the story of what's underneath there. Lazarus was comforted by the Lord. The rich man was in hell, in torments, lifting up his eyes, being in torments. But that didn't just start. There was a purpose for Lazarus' life. You couldn't see it and I couldn't see it. Who could see it? That old beggar, there's a purpose in his life? God predestinated him. Amen. And the Bible says that God loved him in eternity and chose him. That's what the Bible teaches. So when and how is God for us? Well, first off, he's for us in eternity. Before the world was, he foreknew us. He predestinated, determined our destiny. Uh, you know, 
Somehow Paul said it to the heathen on Mars Hill. God set before the bounds of your habitation. It wasn't an accident that I was born where I was. Nor you. He determined our destiny. People talk about destiny. Let me tell you who's at the, at the head of that destiny. God Almighty. That's who. Anyway, he determined our character that we might be made in the image, be conformed to the image of his son. That's what's going on in your life if you're saved. That's what's going on in your life. Proverbs says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He's behind all of it. He was for you at the cross. Think about that. He knew you by name. At the cross, Jesus Christ paid by name. He paid all of your sin debt if you're the call of God. That's how he knows you. He knew you when he called you. There's no way you got to the Lord if he didn't call you. In justification and providence, he knows us in eternity. Look what he said. Whom he did predestinate, him he called. Whom he called, them he also justified. Whom he justified, them he also glorified. Now, I know there's nothing about me that looks glorified. I know there's not. But in the purpose mind of God, it's as sure as if I've already been glorified. That's all who are the called according to him. Amen. So what, what are the practical effects of all this? Eternal security? Real eternal security. It ought to work loyalty to the Lord, to his church, and faithfulness. It ought to produce a people who are willing to endure and suffer <coughs> hardship, persecution. <coughs> and finally, it produces conquerors. More than conquerors Amen. through him that loved us. That doesn't apply to everybody in the world. Don't try to make that meet everybody's expectations. Because it doesn't. Only those who are the called according to his purpose. Let's stand.